Scott Sharp, as usual, we're welcoming you to Gardening Talkback. And, of course, you've got a couple of things you want to talk about. Yes, today I thought we'd talk about uh, pruning the roses. Of course, that time is coming around now. It's all very wintry what I'm going to talk about today. Uh, deciduous trees for smaller gardens, uh, any winter jobs that you might have, and we'll talk about lawn irrigation as well. Scott, let's start off with those wonderful flowers roses. I don't think you can go past a rose. No, you sound almost so enthusiastic then that it sounded like I'm actually going to go out and do the work for people. Ah, no, <laughs> I've, got, I've got enough stuff to do. That's you know, and, and looking after your own garden is a very special thing anyway. You get such a sense of satisfaction out of doing that. You do, don't you? You do. Mm, yes. yes, but roses, a rose by any other name, etc., etc. Yes, that's, that's correct. Uh, look, it is uh, almost rose pruning season. It's getting pretty chilly now. Uh, they pretty, should have st- all, the, uh, all the hybrid teas should have stopped growing now, so it is time to get in and start pruning them. And pruning a rose is very, very easy. People often come to you, to us and say, oh, no, you know, I'm really worried about pruning a rose. How do I do it? It's, it seems so complex. How do you, you know, get your rose looking nice? And I say to them, look, it's actually quite, quite simple. Uh, you just almost have to imagine a bowl shaped. And what you want to do is get a nice open centre to your rose and those branches growing outwards. So that's actually quite easy to do because on most on roses, there's a little bud that comes out and that's where you prune above, just at an angle, just slightly above that there. If you go too much, you'll actually get dye back in that area. So you just come just above the bud and the buds you want are usually the ones that are facing out because if you start pruning to a bud that's facing back in, well, it's not going to get that beautiful cup shape anymore. So it's really quite, you know, I guess easy to get your head around when you look at it that way. So if, you know, you just sort of cradle your hand every now and again and imagine, I want a cup out of this rose, I want to create a cup from this rose, and you prune accordingly, then you're going to get a really nice shape to it. Uh, Roses, you can prune them pretty hard. Uh, you know, you can prune them right back, so don't ever be afraid about doing that. It makes a more vigorous rose. You'll get more flowering out of it. And, uh, yeah, again, you just hollow out that middle one. You don't want, uh, you know, branches crossing back over on each other. So if you, one's, you know, you see a bud coming out one way and a bud coming out towards that, you have to think to yourself, hmm, that's not going to be good uh, in a month's time or so because they're going to grow and cross over. They start to rub against each other. Uh, you get disease there and they get... Uh, the other reason you want an open uh, rose in the middle is to let the air flow through because here in Newcastle it's so important uh, to try and keep that air flow throughout the rose so they don't get black spot. Uh, in February and March. So that's really, really important. Is that to do with humidity? It is to do with humidity, yeah. Mm. yeah. Mm. And uh, the fertilising of the rose, of course, uh, people often, uh, they're a little bit shy about it, I say, but you don't have to be. You can give each of your roses about a bucket full of poultry manure. So it's quite a lot. So you get a bag of poultry manure and that'll give you about three roses out of that. Uh, You don't pile it up against the stem of the rose. You always just pull it back a little bit because you get collar rot. Uh, and that'll actually harm the rose if that starts to happen. Uh, so pull it back a little bit, uh, water it in, spray with lime sulphur as well because that uh, sort of uh, seals up the ends of the rose that you've pruned so no disease can get in. And it also gets rid of any louse scale that's all over the rose. So lime sulphur is the other thing to do. And then generally in about two weeks after the pruning, uh, you get some of the uh, rose food and you give it another dose with that. So it's poultry manure first, about a bucket full each, and then a couple of weeks' time you can give it some rose food as well. 
likes eating, does it, in winter? Well, they're, they're very, very uh, heavy feeders, roses. Right. And, of course, you want to get them flowering and growing as best as possible. Uh, so you use uh, that, that amount of feed. Uh, look, standard roses, they work exactly the same. They're actually much easier to prune. The, the old knees don't get so much of a workout bend, bending down and standing up. Uh, so, uh, look, with uh, standard roses, you can go all around them. Iceberg roses, difficult to know when to prune because they do keep flowering and their leaves on them almost right through until spring here in Newcastle. So you just have to make a choice. You have to make a decision and say, right, that's it. And generally that's in July sometime, you know, late July. You can give it a good old prune then. And again, you just try and get the really nice cup shape out of your standard rose. You can go back quite hard with it as well. Uh, and, yeah, back to the buds. Uh, with Florabunda roses in the standard icebergs, it can be a little bit more difficult to find the buds. They're not perhaps as, uh, you, know, pre- uh, you know, as um, evident as you get on hybrid tea roses, but certainly uh, you can find them. And again, you do the ones that are facing out so you don't get that crossover effect. Just a question on standard roses, mm-hmm. Scott. How high, what's the normal height above ground that you would expect the branches to come out? So the, well, the, the standard rose is always budded at a certain height. Okay. So you, you can get one metre standards you can get shorter standards it's always a variety so anything that comes down from out from below that budded height at about a meter or wherever it's been budded to it's probably the uh, briar rose trying to take over so you always just wipe those down and get rid of those if you can craig rang in from charlestown on now how many how big is your olive grove craig just the one tree. <laughs> yeah, just the one. Well, uh, you, got... good, thanks, mate. Looks like you're not going to be uh, taking over the olive market from Greece in that case. No, no, that's for sure. Yeah. Kalamatra. Yes, how can we help you? How can we help you with that? A few years ago, I got a couple of buckets full, and uh, the last couple of years, there's been a cup full, and I'm just wondering when's the best time to prune. I might be doing it wrong. Uh, and, uh, you know, what do you feed? And how they produce the fruit again? Yeah, so look, yeah. it's a, it's like any other fruiting plant. You always prune your olive, uh, you know, directly after it's uh, finished fruiting. So right. you, you can do it now if you want to. And uh, yeah. that's the, that's always the rule of thumb with any fruiting plant. Just once it's finished fruiting, give it a prune right. back then because that gives it the time for that flowering material to come back on during the new season's growth. So uh, yeah. do that now and just give it a good old feed. Uh, have you got anything at home? Well, uh, sudden impact. Yep. Now, uh, sulfate of potash. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. About? Now you've you've named two fantastic things there. Now, sudden impact. People think, oh, look, it's only good for roses, but it's actually not. It's good for yeah. citrus. It's good for olives because it promotes flowering. So you think about it, a rose. You know, they're always trying to promote flowering in a rose, and sudden impact yeah. does the same job. So, a fantastic yeah. product yeah. to do that. So you could use the sudden impact on yeah. it. Uh, you can also use the right. sulfate of potash as well. Again, yeah. I always say, look, it's not just a one-off. It's something you have to start to build up in the soil. Uh, so you can use it, uh, you know, every three to four weeks if you want to and start using that right. now. It'll build up in the soil. So when you get around to uh, spring and summer again, when it comes into flower, it's going to have plenty of potash to draw up through its root system and it'll get you'll get plenty of olives off it again next year. Now, uh, pruning always uh, promotes new growth and new flowering material. So that's the other thing that you uh, obviously are going to be doing as well. Oh, yeah, you get the uh, fruit from the first year's grace or second year. Yeah, that, that's correct, yeah. Both. Ah, right. Yes, and what about uh, there's a problem in Newcastle for the uh, grubs in them now. What do you think for that? Oh, so what sort of... for grubs. Is what's... there anything you can hang in the trees or anything? Oh, so you're talking about fruit fly, are you? 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, look, I, I haven't really heard about uh, fruit fly getting into olives yet. Uh, yeah, they do. Okay, but certainly you can use any of the trapping methods that you use for tomatoes. Uh, so there's right. a, a number of different baits and lures you can get, and you just hang those in the tree uh, once you see the, the flowers come on and them start to form fruit. Right, yes. Uh, I had uh, fly in them last year. Right, I only okay. got a few cupfuls, but they had the fly in them. Okay, look, I've never and heard another of guy up Nelson's Bay, it was loaded. Every tree he had about uh, five trees, and they all had fruit in, bar the green ones that he picked all the end, the big ones yeah. and the big black ones. All had the fly in them. Yeah, now that, that's another thing. People often yeah. come into us and they say, oh, I want a green olive or I want a black olive. And you have to say to them, uh, <laughs> without making them sound like you know idiots or anything like that, oh, look, no, a green yeah. olive is just an unripe olive and a black olive is just a ripe one. So they're all yeah. the same tree, yeah. Yeah, I think it's best to pick them about uh, when there's about 50% of black and green. Okay, so you get a mixture yeah, of both. The tree then, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, look, that's yeah. interesting. I'd never heard of fruit fly on yeah. olives before, but uh, look, yeah. there's absolutely no reason why it couldn't occur. And you're, you're uh, living evidence that it has occurred or your tree is. So I'd, I'd yeah. trap exactly the way you try and keep uh, fruit fly under control with tomatoes or any other fruiting tree. Thanks, Craig, for that. And we've learned something, yeah. Scott. Uh, 49216216 is the number to ring to get your question through to Scott Sharp today. Christine's rung in from Toronto. Now, tree loft. Tell me what they'll tell Scott what that's all about, Christine. How can we help um, you, Christine? Well, look, we've had a price for a tree to be lopped. Oh, yes, okay. And it's $660. <laughs> We're on a pension. I was just wondering, is there anywhere that we can go... You know, to have it done a little cheaper than that. Look, the only thing you can do is ring around and get quotes. I know that they do vary quite considerably. Unfortunately, I'm not like look. I just can't recommend anyone in particular here right now. Uh, but uh, look, yes, they do vary in price. I would just go and get three or four quotes uh, to see how it is. If it's a large, is it quite a large tree? Uh, it's about, uh, I think, two meters to be chopped off. It's not going to be ground down or anything like that. It's just a big branch hanging over. Right. Did, sorry, did you say two or ten metres then? No, I, two. Two <laughs> metres. That, that's not a very big tree, um, you know, by any estimation. So I, will, I would definitely get some other quotes on that. Yeah, it just seems a lot. Yeah, yeah. Look, for $600 for just doing a small tree like that, uh, you know, no names, no pack drill, it does sound a little bit uh, much. So I would definitely... Uh, you know, grab the phone out and start your fingers moving around on it and get some extra quotes. Yeah, let your fingers do the walking, walking yes. Christine. Good luck. Thank you and, for that. And uh, Cole has rung in from Rutherford, and you've got a dwarf lemon tree that's uh, causing you a bit of grief. How can we help you with it, Cole? Well, do they have to be in a drum, or can you put them in the ground? Oh, yeah, definitely. You can put them... Uh, that's the great thing about dwarf lemon trees. They will go in the ground, or people put them in pots, and they do very well there. Now, if you've got uh, your lemon tree in a pot, you just have to make sure you're feeding it really regularly because they are very heavy feeders to get that fruit and growth on there. So I'm talking, you know, three to four times a year you need to feed your uh, citrus. And a product you can use is Sudden Impact. Uh, we were just talking about that before. It's for roses, uh, but you can actually use it for citrus as well. It works very, very well on citrus. So uh, that's a great, simple to use one. It's very safe to use three or four times a year. Uh, mate, if you decide to put it in the ground, they love poultry manure. Uh, so uh, give it uh, plenty of poultry manure, probably you know twice a year, 
um, you know, don't be shy about it. Give it a bag, you know, around the drip line and you'll get a fantastic uh, citrus out of that. And again, uh, as we were talking uh, with Craig from Charlestown, uh, once it's finished fruiting, uh, you give it a good prune back at that time and then uh, the new growth will come on and you'll get the fruit on that. And it won't uh, keep on going up to the top of the tree. But with the dwarf lemon, uh, it's never really going to be a problem. It's never going to get that high for you. Uh, you know, it's never going to get to four metres like a normal lemon would and uh, that you can't get the fruit. So uh, a dwarf lemon's a great choice, uh, whether you're putting it in the ground or in a pot. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, mine's in a plastic type of one. I can just cut the bottom out of it and just dig a bit of a hole and put it in and leave it in the drum. Keeps the fowls and that away from scratching the roots. Oh, yeah, okay, I see what you're trying to do. Look, uh, I guess I guess that would work. It, it might contain the root system a little bit. Uh, look, I would recommend digging it out completely and uh, look, taking it out of the pot completely and putting it into the ground and then forming some sort of other barrier to keep the, the chooks away if you can. Patricia has rung in from Fern Bay with a question on roses. What would you like to know? Hey, hey Patricia. Hello. Hey, hey, Patricia, how can we help you? Uh, look, my husband's got new roses we've just put in. We got them from Victoria, mm-hmm. and he wants to know when he can feed those with the cow man- uh, fowl manure. Yeah, look, I, I wouldn't do it directly because uh, they've probably come up to your bare rooted, obviously, uh, in, yeah, in the post or whatever. And so, what's going to happen? You're going to stick those in the ground, and all of a sudden, it's going to go. Oh, thank you very much. I'm in the ground. I'm going to start to grow now, and they're going to send down all these fine little roots into the soil. And right. if you were to pull it back out after two or three weeks, that's what you'd find. You'd find all these little white, really soft hair roots going out into the soil, trying to absorb nutrient in. So, if you go and stick some really, you know, some poultry some really hot poultry manure onto it at the moment it's going to go whammo straight down into the soil those little roots are going to try and absorb it up but what's going to happen they won't be able to they're too soft and they're just going to burn away and frazzle away so in fact you'll actually set your uh, new rows back somewhat if you were to do right. it um, very soon usually you plant your rows uh, in the ground. These and, are in pots. Oh, they're in pots? Okay, yeah, well, you're, pots. Okay, well you're, pots. Ne- you're never going to use poultry manure on roses in pots right. in that case because it's, okay. just, it's just too uh, fraught with danger. People always over-fertilise them and burn them. Well, so, what's the best to use? Yeah, so we've been talking about a product called Sudden Impact today. Oh, I've yeah, got that. Yeah, I don't know how we've been doing that. It's three <laughs> times in a row now we've actually talked about it yeah. uh, for varying reasons as well. Oh. I didn't bring it up. The bloke from Charlestown brought it up. So sudden, <laughs> sudden impact's the one to go with. Uh, in a, in a, uh, a pot with a rose, you can use it about three times a year if you want to. There's a little cup inside the container, and yeah, you use it just according to directions. Okay. Uh, and look, it's a very, very safe, easy one to use. It's full of all the great stuff that roses need. Uh, but as to your question as to when to do it, I would wait uh, until about mid-August or late August before right. I actually started to uh, fertilise the rose. fertilise anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. He likes to fertilise. Yeah, look, and, and, and that's a great thing uh, because most people don't fertilise. Yeah. Is, that, is that your husband in the background? He's, yeah, I think he's, he's in, pretty... the, oh, I'm up in the bedroom and he's out, out there in the bedroom he, with he, the door closed. <laughs> okay, the Wallace. He's protesting. His innocence there, but uh, look, he, and I'll stand up for him. He is doing the right thing. <laughs> he is doing the right thing, but it is possible to over fertilize and fertilize yeah. at the wrong time. So, uh, look, definitely just let that rose settle in, just keep on watering it, and then, uh, you know, late August or so, give it some according to directions, and it'll be fine. Okay.
Great. Excellent. Thank you very much okay. for that. Not Bye, a moment, Scott. Patricia. Don't you go give him a hard time either. <laughs> no, of course I won't. <laughs> <laughs> and a question has come through from Emmanuel from Bato Bay. And that sounds as though it should be a good place, Emmanuel, to yeah, grow it is. <laughs> lemon and orange trees. How can we help you yeah. with it, Emmanuel? Yes, uh, Bruce. I got uh, a lemon tree and orange tree. They are about... Uh, three-year-old, mm-hmm. she got lemon and even orange. The lemon, all the time when she shoots a new shoot, it looks like uh, rough, very rough. It, it looks rough. So are the leaves curling up on it? or? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yes, yeah. yes, curly, yeah. Okay, so look, lemons and, and citrus can get a thing called citrus leaf miner, and it's mostly prevalent in around February and March when the new growth comes on. And it's a moth, yeah. and it lays a little sort of weevil on the uh, on the leaf, and it gets in, burrows into the membrane of the leaf and starts moving around there and making little sort of tracer marks all through. But what it does is it, it, it wrecks up the leaf, mate. It, it completely yeah. destroys it and then the leaf just curls up because it can't get the nutrient around there. And yeah. uh, I think that's what you've got. Uh, what you do is you actually just prune that off. There's not much you can do about it if it's I, already there. That's and it's, what I do. Yeah, and it's destroyed it. Now, what you do, though, once you know that your plant's about to shoot, so you get to that, you know, February stage, you know, when it's quite warm and humid, and you start seeing new shoots come on the plant, there's a product you get yeah. called Eco Oil. Now, you mix that up, Eco Oil, eco oil yeah. and you mix that up and you spray that on all the new foliage, and you do it about once a week until the foliage hardens up, until it goes dark green and hard. Okay. Because yeah. once the foliage is dark green and hard, that uh, that citrus leaf miner can't get into the leaf and can't do the damage. It's only when okay. it's really nice and soft and tasty for it that it gets in yeah. and, and does the damage. So you need the eco oil and you spray it on once a week until the leaves harden up. You might use it quite a few times, uh, you know, in that humid period because uh, you know the plants are really springing on at that time, and you get yeah. a lot a lot of new growth. Mate, you still might get some that uh, sneaks on through. But I, I assure you, you'll uh, you know you'll keep it largely under control if you do that. And of course, if it rains, uh, then you need to go out and reapply as well. Okay. And the orange, the orange tree is in the pot mm-hmm. because you can plant it in a pot or uh, in the ground. Yeah. And uh, it it looks dirty. It looks like uh, you know not healthy, not shiny or anything. Yeah, so when you say it's dirty, is it actually sort of like sooty or black on the on the leaves? Yeah, black. Yeah, yes, okay, yes. okay. So what you've got, you've actually got two things on there. One of them is scale, and yeah. the scale insect secretes like a, you know, once it's eaten the plant, it secretes stuff out, and the ants come up from the soil, and they bring sooty mould spores up onto the plant. And that's what that black is. It's actually called sooty mould. So you need to do two things there. Uh, you need to get rid of the scale, and if you get some of that eco-oil and spray it, that'll actually get rid of the scale. They're a little insect that's sucking the sap out of the tree and making it pretty oh, okay. pretty unhealthy anyway. Okay. So the eco-oil is going to be a great thing for you to get. It'll get okay. rid of the two things. But then you need to get one other thing, and it's a fungicide called copper oxychloride, and yeah. you need to spray that on. So you do the eco-oil one day, and then the next day you do the copper oxychloride, and then yeah. in about a week's time you do the whole process again. You do the eco-oil and then the copper oxychloride again, and you'll find that once that sooty mould is dead, it'll sort of just dry and it'll just flake off. You'll see it's starting to peel back up off the leaf, and you'll see the nice green shiny leaf in under there, and the plant will just be so much healthier, mate. And uh, so, uh, yeah, I'd get those two products and uh, give it a go and see if you can get it back under control. 
can I buy from Bunnings or not? Uh, look, I, I don't know, mate. You'd have to go in there and ask them. Okay. Uh, but if you've got yeah. if you've got another retailer, like an independent retail nursery down there, uh, they're going to be able to give yes, you some. Yes, it is. Yeah, they'll be able to give you some good advice on it as well on how to use it. So, uh, or you know, go somewhere where you can get that uh, that good expert advice. Thanks, Emmanuel, for your call. 49216216. Connie's rung in from Western, and uh, your magna- magnolia is uh, at the top of your mind, Connie. How can we help yeah. you, Connie? Well, my magnolia, of course, is deciduous, mm-hmm. and uh, it's, uh, it's quite happy at the moment. But it, uh, while, when it was, uh, had its leaves, of course, it went all curly, the whole lot. Um, it's, and I thought, I'll let it go till it uh, drops its leaves, and then yeah. I'll contact you yeah. to see if I can just get ready for when it starts to blossom again. Yeah, so w- with a, a magnolia, what it's probably had is some sort of mite insect on there, a little sap-sucking insect, very small. You wouldn't necessarily see it crawling around. And they, they're in there on the leaves sucking the sap away, and that's what makes it curl up like that. Uh, look, there are products you can get to keep that under control, miticides. Uh, you can use eco-oil like we've just been talking about. We're on the run of talking about products today. It's not, not usual. Uh, but you can, you can use eco-oil. The other thing, though, Connie, is don't be worried about it now because those leaves have dropped off. And effectively, that's got rid of the mite problem for you. So it should come back nice and clean again when it springs springs, springs forth in spring. <laughs> so I, I wouldn't be too, too concerned about going and getting that product at this point in time. Uh, you know, back in, uh, you know, once it's got its leaves on there, if you saw that starting to come back, that's when you would go and get that product and start spraying. But at uh, this time, nature has done its work for you. It's actually dropped the leaves off and uh, the problem's gone away. And the leaves on the ground, they're not uh, uh, holding the mites? Somehow? No, well, look, they, they, those little guys, you know, once, you know, there's nothing for them to feed off um, down there. If okay. you wanted to, you could certainly rake the leaves up and get rid of them. Uh, but, you know, once there's nothing for the, the mite to feed on, they'll just go away. There's, uh, you know, no reason for them okay. to be there. Okay, now what about when it flowers? Do I wait for the leaves, do I? Uh, no, now, magnolia usually flowers before the leaves come on. Uh, That's right. Yeah. So yeah. So don't don't be concerned about this mite problem now. It's something that may come back again. Uh, you know, in you know September or, or October once the leaves okay. are back on. Yeah. Uh, okay. Look, the, the other thing is just make sure your plant's nice and nice and healthy because mites will often attack a plant that's uh, you know a little bit under the weather. You know, might have had a big night out, uh, so to speak, okay. and uh, it's feeling a little bit uh, ropey. So uh, make okay. sure it's a nice, healthy plant. Uh, give it a feed. Make sure it's being well watered. Some cow manure yeah. is fantastic for magnolias. So if it's in the ground, uh, yeah. you know, grab a bag of cow manure and uh, pour that around the drip line of the plant and water it in well and that'll certainly promote the uh, the plant okay just quickly yes it was a miniature mm-hmm. and it was in a pot for many many years yes. and it was given to me so i put it into the ground and for the first couple of years it was fine and now it's quite quite large <laughs> not a miniature anymore so yeah, i thought so- maybe yeah, so uh, sometimes, uh, you know, the word uh, dwarf or, uh, uh, you know, miniature is, um, you know, actually quite relative. Um, so they can, <laughs> it might only just be smaller than a, than, a, than a large growing one. So look, you can prune magnolias. Uh, the thing to do is not prune it now. Uh, prune yeah. it after it's finished flowering or yeah. later on in the okay. year. Yeah. Okay, because that answers my question. You, Thank you very much. If you prune it now, you won't get any flowers on it for this season. Mm, good, yes. And magnolia must be one of the nicest flowers around, I think. Yeah, they certainly are. Look, I, I I like the flowers. I don't rate them much as a tree here in Newcastle because it gets a bit hot for 
them and often they look a bit tatty with the the burnt leaves so so if you can get them out of the afternoon sun that's probably not a bad and some dappled sunlight that's not a bad spot for them but uh, certainly as a flower there they are a stunning plant but as a tree uh, don't rate them up here in Newcastle. <laughs> Elsewhere they do fine, but yeah, not so much. And Rodney, uh, you've rung in from Wall's End and Citrus Trees. Oh, they are lovely too. What would you like to ask, Scott? Oh, good afternoon, Scott. How are you? Yeah, well, mate, how can we help you? Oh, I've got three um, grafted citrus trees in pots yep. in my backyard. One's a lemonade, one's a um, mandarin, and one's an orange. Mm-hmm. Last year, all three fruited, and I got fruit off all of them. This year, only the lemonade, that's all. Okay. We're just wondering what's going on. So have you fed them much? Because in pots, uh, citrus are very heavy feeders and they do need you know, quite a lot of food throughout the year. So that's the question to you. Have you fed them? Um, I've given the um, citrus granules about three times Yeah, yeah. But throughout the year. But um, yeah, but the lemonade, it's got, at the moment, it's probably got about eight or nine on it, but the other two haven't done anything this year, yeah. Right, okay. So when you say citrus granules, are you talking that's a slow-release one you've been using, is it? Yeah, just a um, like just a, a bag slow release one. Yeah, right. Okay. I'd I'd. It sounds like we're spruiking a product here today, and uh, <laughs> we're not really. It's not like cash for comments or anything. Uh, but there is a product called Sudden Impact. It's actually for roses. Uh, it's out by Neutrog, and it is ideal for using on citrus plants. You can use it about three or four times a year. Uh, it's an organic product, so it's really going to feed the plants up very nicely. Uh, it might just be that your plants are a little bit hungry in pot. And that's the the trouble, you know, the reason that they're not fruiting to the extent that you want them to. Uh, so if you grab some of that sudden impact, start using that, and uh, hopefully you'll get a much better result out of it. Um, yeah, I'm just wondering. I've got them. I've got them at the back of my house, mm. which is facing east. Yes. Uh, so they only get morning sun. Right, okay. So now that's another issue with citrus. Yeah. And, and look, my fault for not asking that question as well. Uh, so citrus do require full sun uh, to you know, to fruit properly. The other thing is if they're in that sort of shady conditions, they will become more susceptible to uh, diseases, to scale diseases and anything else that really wants to come along and have a, have a crack at yeah, them. Yeah, well... well um I've had the same problem as the guy from Bado Bay with the two, the, the scale yes, and, and the, the sooty um, mould. Yeah, and that, yeah, and look, yes. and that is the reason because it's in those shady conditions. If you can move it around to the north side of the house, uh, or even the western side of the house, probably the north is better. Uh, you'll get a much better result. You'll get more fruiting out of your uh, out of your plant. And if you uh, you know link that up with the feeding regime that I described to you, I think you'll get a much better result from those citrus trees. That's uh, well, good good times ahead. Thanks very much, Rodney, for your call. And um, uh, Tom from Aberglassen. <laughs> how, how can we help you, Tom? Happy plants, Tom. I've got two happy plants. Um, that going yellow at the end of the leaves and turning brown, mm-hmm. is that from too much water? I'd probably hit them with some wormweed some time back. Would that have been too strong or something like that, or yeah. is it too much water? Uh, look, it's entirely possible that the, the, the worm juice might have burnt them back, and that's how you know burning usually manifests itself uh, up through the leaves of the plant. Uh, look, the, are they inside or are they outside, mate? Outside. Okay. Now, I would say that it's probably get a little bit cold for them, and if we've had any wind, it would burn the tips of the leaves off like that. 
Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. So if you can get them into a sheltered spot, uh, you know, that, that's going to fix them up. Just water them. You can just snip those uh, little bits off if you want to, off the ends. Uh, it won't uh, affect the plant in any way. Uh, and just make sure it's being well watered. Right. Oh, they like the water, do they? Oh, yeah. Look, I'll certainly suck up the water. Uh, Look, happy plants, those sort of dracaenas can actually live just in plain, pure old water. Uh, So they'll do quite well like that. Uh, Obviously, having them in potting mix is much better for them. They've got more nutrients to to utilise. So uh, I think it might just be the cold that's done that for you this time. Okay. Thanks, Scott. Thank you. Thank you for that, Tom. Cheers. And, uh, yes, of course, the cold... The uh, cold does have a bit of effect on everybody, doesn't yeah, it? On, on those tropical plants, it does, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Magnolias again. Keely has rung in from Elibana. Hello. You've got a comment on magnolias. Yeah, it's more of a question um, because I was listening to that last comment about magnolias mm-hmm. and about how the lady said that it was a dwarf variety that she'd put in the ground. Yes. Um, my neighbour has just put... Um, probably about six dwarf magnolias along our fence line yes. on his side. But he asked me if it was okay, and I said, oh, that's okay because they're dwarf ones. Mm-hmm. But then the lady concerned me when you were last <laughs> talking, saying that, you know, they do grow big because I'm just concerned because we've got a pool on the other side of the fence, which is only about a half a metre away, and I'm just concerned with its root growth and whether magnolias have a big root growth and whether they are attracted to water. Uh, look, the, the the rule of thumb with that is that you know anything that gets uh, into a large canopy is going to have a commensurate sized root system in under the ground. Uh, Jane's yep. looking at me there because I used a nice big word then, uh, but <laughs> and that just means that you know the the as big as the canopy above. Yeah, pretty much as big as the, it's mm. going to spread out because it has to be able to support what's up above the ground. Uh, look, yep. as far as being uh, attracted to water, look, I don't think necessarily in a pool type situation that's going to be an issue. The great thing about magnolias is that they can be pruned, so if they do get too large, uh, you know. You, know, you can get uh, your neighbour to prune them for you. They're not a really uh, dense plant. They're still quite open, so they're going to let plenty of sunlight uh, into your pool. So shade's not you know, going to be a massive problem for you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, not a problem. Yeah, I was just concerned that you know it would go into the pool and create damage and, and also because they've They've actually planted them right on the fence line, so there's only, you know, probably five to ten centimetres between its stem and, and the fence. So yes. also it would affect the fence as well. So. That, that, that does sound a little bit close if the, if the trees... And look, I don't know exactly which variety they are, so I can't, you know, exactly comment on that. But uh, the other mm-hmm. thing about, uh, you know, the root system going in for water, that's a bit of an old wives' tale from the, uh, you know, the old days when we had the old clay pipes and they'd move over time and the joints would yep. open up and then the root yep. system would get into that. With modern PVC pipes, they're you know very well sealed that's usually not an issue now not a problem well thank you very much for your time okay thanks keely bye-bye thanks keely and gardening talk back getting close to the end have you got time in a minute just to talk about irrigating your lawn in yes winter? should I, we do it yes and i'll, and I'll just mentioned a uh, fellow called uh, colin hills uh he uh gave us a call just before he's got a very old rose here and he sent us a really nice photo of it uh and i guess he wants to know can it still keep on going and just look judging by the photo colin i think it can uh, you just need to prune back a whole lot of that old dead wood there and give it a good good hard prune back and uh, it, it's uh, you know looks a little bit gnarly down the bottom for everyone uh, there uh, but uh, I think it, it's going to come quite good Colin and uh, lawn irrigation uh, yes look definitely cut back your lawn irrigation now in winter uh, you don't want it coming on every day and spurning around you can Thank certainly cut it back to once a week. Thank you Scott Sharp and that's Gardening Talk back coming to an end um, on to NURFM and uh, thanks to you and Good luck to everybody in the garden. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, 
well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.